Welcome to Fashion Designers Get Paid, a podcast for burnt out fashion designers who want to ditch the toxic rat race, say bye-bye to backstabbing bosses, and work with brands who value and respect them. I'm your host, Heidi, and I believe that you can do things differently in your fashion career. Because the truth is, most industry jobs will underpay and overwork you, and having your own brand is far from profitable. Let's also be honest, most of them fail. So if you actually want to, well, be a fashion designer and get paid, the best way to do it is as a freelancer. Now, maybe you've been told that brands don't accept remote freelancers or that freelancing means being an exploited temp employee working full-time without benefits. Or to work freelance, you have to be a rock star expert with all the skills from design through development. I'm going to show you that it is possible to be a real freelancer in fashion, work remotely with brands you love, and make money, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers. You got this, and I'm here to help you do it. In this episode, I'm chatting with Mari Medina, a freelance knitwear designer who, in the span of three years, moved out of New York City after she had lived and worked there for 14 years, and she had a baby. These were two things that she never imagined being possible when she worked for a fashion brand in-house. When Mari was living in New York City, she didn't think that she could be a freelance fashion designer because she didn't have all the skills or all the experience. Her fashion industry job had been for a big corporation in design, and she was terrified she didn't have all the answers about sourcing and production and the entire development process. Turns out Mari didn't need all of the skills because after getting her first few clients, she realized that it was okay to get started even though she didn't know everything. Mari was able to learn as she went. And beyond that, she realized that a lot of her self-doubt was a strong voice in her head saying she wasn't capable. She realized that she knew a lot more than she thought, which I would argue is the case for most of us. Mari talks us through the strategies that she's used to build and grow her career as a freelance fashion designer. She's only working half-time because she takes care of her two-year-old daughter, but she is still averaging $5,000 a month. If you do the math, that is $60,000 a year working half-time. Mari has full-time childcare lined up starting next month, and I know she's going to hit six figures soon. You're going to love this episode. Let's get to it. Hey, real quick, before we jump into the episode, if you're sick of being tied to a desk and want more freedom in your day, I want to help you. Snag my free limited time training, How to Freelance in Fashion, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers, to learn my five-step freelancing framework so you can work for yourself in fashion and get paid. Get instant access at soheidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it in the show notes. All right, now let's get started. Sorry. Welcome, welcome. I feel like this conversation is long overdue. Um, we'll get yeah. into that. But first, please introduce yourself to everybody. Let us know who you are and what you do in fashion. Yeah, I am um, a knitwear designer. My uh, little studio is called MM Knitwear. And I've been working for the past three years for over, I think, like, I've serviced more than 11 clients at this yeah, point. That's and amazing. I do from, like, the design aspect, sourcing, um, the material, the manufacturing, for mostly slow fashion brands. So it's like a lot of slow MOQ, natural yarns. And I've worked from, you know, machine knitting to hand knitting, crochet, and connecting my clients to artisans in different parts of the world. Amazing. Um, Okay, I'm going to I'm going to drop a quote that you said to me a long time ago that has really stuck with me. And I'd love to just kind of start the conversation there. Um, Many years ago, I think right after you had gotten your freelancing career kickstarted, I don't remember the timing of when you had joined fast and all that stuff happened, but you were gaining some traction and getting some clients and doing work. And you said to me, like, 
I thought freelancing was only for like these expert rock stars of the fashion world. And like, you didn't feel like you were, I don't m- remember exactly what you, I just remember you said expert rock stars. Um, and you didn't feel like you were there yet, but then you were. So can you like take us way back to that beginning time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think like when you work in a corporate setting, you have a certain title and a certain role and it, and it's good you know and but I think it takes years to get to a point where you feel like oh well now that I am not an assistant designer now I'm an associate designer mm. and you like identify with that role right mm. and it kind of keeps you it's hard to learn I mean you're you're thrown into the thing into the fire you learn um, but it depends on the atmosphere if it's a slower pace uh, or fast pace um, so I didn't have where I was in my career. Um, I had been years working. I think I worked in, you know, companies for like seven years. So it was a while. Yeah. And this was but in New York City. That was in, yeah, in New York. And I had great uh, mentors and coworkers, but you only have um, access to a certain part of the process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was, I wanted to learn more. Like I something like simple as like specs uh you know that was in my goals you know when you have like for the year but it, it was so like we were so busy with things that I never like was able to be like how do I learn this you know yeah. and I felt like I was trying to but because I was like slower and like learning that aspect or like you know you don't have the confidence to just kind of throw yourself in there at least yeah. I didn't have it so I was more like okay I can do this little part really well but I don't have contacts I don't have just kind of the resources, the network to take a brand from the beginning to the end. Cause I don't think I had even done it myself in yeah. a, a work setting. So that's why I thought like, you know, if you have the, if you've been, for example, like um, a director in a company, you've seen the whole process, you've had the experience. So then you have the credibility for yourself, you know, and for your clients to be like, I've done all of this for Mm-hmm. X amount of years mm-hmm. and um I've learned in because a lot of this can't really like you can't just you don't really learn it in school <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of you just are learning in the process like grading and things like that like one of my mentors said like grading is an art so I was like well you know I'm not gonna learn it <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm doomed yeah. and so it, it was like mostly things like that you know like if I haven't seen it per se like how am I gonna throw myself into a situation where I'm going to tell people that I can do this, you know? Um, in your focus, like your role during those seven years working in the industry was more the design component. Is that right? Exactly. So then I work with technical designers, I work production, I work merchandising. And so it was like, and I wasn't even in a lot of these meetings because I was mostly in the production part of it, not production, but like producing, you yeah. know, design, like while my boss was in the meeting for like, marketing or production or pricing, I was in there like cranking sketches, cranking tech packs. Yeah. So we can keep the process moving along. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's where you were at in your head, despite having seven years of experience, which is a good bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But so then what, like, what was the moment that you were like, wait, maybe I can do this. Do you remember? It happened gradually. And sometimes I still doubt it. Um, <laughs> it, it was mostly like the first time that I got they need those services for me. That's like the simple like part. Mm. They already, for example, like when I first started working with them, 
they already had the yarn that they wanted to use. They already had the the factory that they were using and they mostly just needed me for the part that I already knew how to do. So design and the tech pack and for the measurements that I wasn't super like familiar with, I just kind of used my own specs like with sweaters I already had and yeah. sweaters like I also printed out like a lot of the specs that I um that I had done at work yeah and then you have like the graded spec Other and then you have yeah. the 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 picture of the fitting and I started making a binder for myself yeah. um for these tech packs and measurements I still use this binder now this is like that binder that I have yeah uh, look at that resource yeah all my clients that I from my own clients and just kind of you know giving myself making myself a library yeah so um, from that time I only had a few of them and now I have a bunch yeah so that's kind of how it started and then like it, it was it was slow it was slow um I had people that had done the second client had done already a little bit of research and um She's like, I already have this factory in New York that I want to work with. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I've kind of heard of them. Seen them on Instagram. Then I started using that factory. And then and then kind of that's, you just kind of start little by little. Yeah. Uh, getting to learn and finding the places where you can find those people and yeah. resources and the materials and the yarn. Like, I asked, I asked a former coworker if she knew, like, you know, Italian yarns or whatever, or a specific material, I think I was asking. Yeah. It's like, oh, look at all these people. She gave me a few emails. And it was just kind of like a starting point. And then I built it up from there. But yeah. the point here, I think, of this story, which is great, is that, like, you don't have to have all the skills to start. Like, you can start with one component, yeah. right? And then, like you said, oh, they already had this. And then you start learning almost through like, not almost, but actually like through your client's resources, you start learning right now. Okay. They have this yeah. factory in New York. You're like, great, let's work with them. And then you learn like how they work, the pros and cons. And you just kind right. of, you just grows. It just grows from there. And I, and now I've learned, I'm like, everyone's just figuring it out. I mean, you know, <laughs> um, from just kind of other professionals that I've been following recently, just kind of listening to podcasts and getting inspired that way everyone's just figuring it out they and, are. um you know and and I am too you know that yeah. I I can't say that I that I know the perfect amount of everything at this point you know yeah, yeah. um but I think I've already you know your your mind sometimes needs evidence so I feel like little by little I built myself evidence of like I've been able to do this so yeah. you know you keep like gaining that confidence you know to sort of like validate your knowledge and like your ability to do the thing. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. I've never heard anybody put it as like evidence, but you're totally right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I I think like we try to find evidence from the opposite way all the time. It's like, Like I have, like, it's like, (laughs) like, I haven't been able to do this because I never did it in my company. You know? oh, that's evidence evidence against opposite. being against. able to yes, do it. Exactly. Right. Versus evidence right. for that supports you. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, I would argue that like women are like a hundred times worse at that than men typically. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've had a friend tell me like men apply to jobs that they're <laughs> underqualified all the time. Like whatever you know yeah we yeah there's something in like our dna our hormonal balance or something that like we don't typically make those leaps like men do exactly yeah uh you're conscious of it though now which is great and i think 
even as valuable being conscious of the negative evidence you're constantly, not just you, but like we, right? As people are constantly putting on ourselves of like, oh, you can't do it because, right? You're always going to make an excuse why you can't. Right, yeah. right, exactly, exactly. So yeah. I think it's just, for me, it's been a gradual process. Like I'm in a drastically different place than I was three years ago when I started this. Yeah. And when I started this, I was um, saying a lot like, well... I won't pitch because we're in the middle of a pandemic or like, and then the next year was, I won't pitch because I'm pregnant and I have no idea what this is going to look like, you know? Always and an then, excuse. Yeah. Yeah. There's always an excuse. And, and I haven't been the type of person that has pitched a lot. A lot of my clients kind of have found me, but now I'm in the place where I'm like, uh, I don't pitch because I don't have time, <laughs> but it's something that you kind of have to, you know, it's like all these different places that I've been and throughout these years. Um, it's cool to kind of think back to it. Yeah. And see the evolution and the progress that you've made for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I forgot about that, but that's right. You told me once you said I spent, I think it was almost a year doing research on brands yeah, that I could yeah. pitch to. Yeah, because I was still working yeah. my full-time okay. job and I was very slow, I remember. And I went, like, I think I listened to in a podcast that you said, like, to look at trade shows. And I was like, wow, like, I've never even thought about this. These are small brands. Yeah. And being in New York, I was always familiar with big brands. Yeah. But I didn't know they're like, oh, like the... Two tiers down, like there's a bunch of them. A billion, yeah. A billion of them all yeah. over the world. Yeah. So so then I went into those rabbit holes because I was bored at work. <laughs> and um and looking at clothes does look like you're doing work, you know, because yeah. I was we were just really slow. And um so I went to those rabbit holes and I was like starting to write down the name of the founders. Yeah. And the name of the company, the website, um, trying to find emails. So I was kind of writing all of that down, but I didn't even have like a portfolio or a website or anything like that. I was just kind of doing research to see like, is this even possible? Like how many people are there out there? So that took a long, you spent a lot of time doing yeah. that. I spent a long time doing that. And I still, and I haven't actually, I, I still have that list. I have like a bunch of brands, a you bunch of brands in there. To. I, I reached out to a few of them, but I haven't actually reached out to like all of them or anything like that. It was just, I don't know. I think it was trying, again, trying to find that evidence of like, there are a lot of small brands from real people that are not corporations that are, mm -hmm. because I work in a big corporation, right? Mm -hmm. So if I were to try to find a founder for the corporation that I was working at, I would have mm. found someone that would have not even have access to design. Yeah, you know? no, yeah. It's not even, you can't even relate to that person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it was just really interesting for me to start learning about that because I think that's yeah. what inspired me and people that I was like, oh, this is the story of this person, how they founded yeah. their company and stuff. So I think it was just like, getting inspired, I guess, while I didn't have the courage to start anything. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting point to bring up because a lot of people working in fashion obviously are in New York City or LA or London, like these big fashion hubs, right? And it's very easy to sort of like think of the industry as like that, these huge corporations, right? But arguably there's just as much, if not more, 
happening like two tiers down, like you said, it's just these small independent people and they're making really amazing stuff and they need help yeah. too. Right. Yeah. Um, cause it's not accessible to do like the true remote freelancing thing for these big brands. It's not, they, no, I mean, they're I've, not looking I've, heard, for that. I've heard some random like fluke stories, but typically it's not. Yeah. So, um, just even like being inspired and, and understanding and knowing that all those brands are out there is huge. Um, you also don't want to do that because <laughs> yeah. you're going to be like, there's going to be a bunch of people in the office and you're going to be like the odd person out yeah. unless like that whole corporation works like remote, which doesn't actually, I doesn't think really it's going to exist yeah, in I think so. fashion. Um, you don't want to be like the odd person out in a computer in like a fitting or something like that, you yeah. know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so how did you get your first few clients? So the, when I was doing the market research, um, I had a friend of a friend that had told me, Hey, I have a friend that has a brand, a knitwear brand. And she told me this like probably like a year before I, or two before I started freelancing. But I was like, Oh, why would I even talk to this person? They sound really cool. But, um, why do I even have to offer like kind of mentality of like, interesting. I should have just like said, you're cool. Let's be friends. Like, I don't know. I have this like mentality of like, you know, uh, why would I even be friends with this person? Like, I don't have anything to like talk to her about or whatever. But, that negative um, evidence. It's that negative thing. It's like, just throw yourself out there. Like, just be friends with people. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Everyone's just always thinking about themselves anyway. Like, totally. just like. <laughs> totally. Um, so, um. When I, I, I thought about that, so I reached out to her again and she connected us and because I wanted to do market research, basically. Yeah. Um, and because of that, she's like, oh, actually, like, this is a very interesting time because we are looking to work with someone that is, they, they're more, they're European brand. So they had worked with people there in their country, but they hadn't worked with anyone that was specialized in knitwear. Mm. And they thought it was so interesting that I was. Um, mm -hmm. And I had that um, experience. So they're like, oh, can you do an audit? And I think I did that for free. And they thought it was really cool the way that I like noticed like fit issues and stitch issues and things like the stitch is weighing on this side of the body. And that's mm -hmm. why it looks like that. And they were like, wow, we noticed those things too, but we didn't really know quite how to fix them. So yeah, I mean, that's how I started with my first client. And I just did one sweater, um, yeah. one design for them. Yeah. And um, and then a few months later, they were like, let's do more. Yeah. And that was all in 2020. And then the other, the, my second client found me through the web. I have no idea. Yeah. you know just, yeah. just like I don't know if it was LinkedIn I don't know I don't think it was LinkedIn it just found me she said it was really hard to find people like yeah. network designers yeah and my website was clear and she had already seen the work that I had launched with that one brand ah. and so then I felt comfortable like even taking on a new client um and that's how it started and yeah it just I from sharing on Instagram like someone that I had worked with like what I was their intern and then she started her own brand and then she asked me if I was doing this so that was like my third client yeah um it has been more like organic rather than pitching I did pitch one time for a brand in LA but because they were a little bit bigger um I was kind of that person in the computer in the fitting. <laughs> oh, okay. This is a firsthand yeah. experience. <laughs> firsthand experience. Okay. Cause I was like, that's an interesting perspective that I wouldn't have really like thought about, but I guess you're right. 
okay, you were that person. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was, it, they're still a small brand and they wanted to make knits, but they also didn't have the, the they only had one designer and right. one founder and a few other people, you know, and they had like a store, super cute brand. And I had bought stuff myself. So I was like, hey, you're super cool. Like, let's work together. And they're like, yeah, we're actually kind of like looking. We have this idea, but we didn't know, like, we kind of contacted this factory, but they you know, I don't know how to work this. And so that's where I stepped in and helped them. And it didn't end up working out, but um, it was a good experience regardless. Um, we were able to uh, produce knits here in the US, which was really cool experience. Yeah. But I was that person on the computer, like we had a fitting. And I think there were like four people there. And did you go out to LA for that? No, no. It was like they're not they weren't big enough to like even like fly me in like that or okay. like you know, um I never even saw the the samples in person. Okay. Um, so this was all remote in like Zoom or something. Was, it was all remote. Um but I think the fact that they were a little bit bigger made me feel like I was a, like a bit like out of place, you know, um, because I wasn't I wasn't there. Um, um you were the only person not there. I was the only person not there and okay. I'm sure it could be fine actually I'm sure yeah. it's fine but yeah. in my experience I was just kind of like oh I don't I know yeah it, it just maybe like it was the, the day or whatever and yeah. there were some miscommunication I think yeah it I'm sure there were so many things that I could have done better like that um and at the end of that project I actually like did meet with the founder and was like hey like give me some feedback because um we were going to start another season and she was like oh you know we just hired a a designer that has both experiences so like Mm -hmm. women's and so you know we won't need um we won't need you anymore. And I just went up with her for some feedback and stuff. And I think we had some issues with the production aspect of it getting really delayed. Factories, I just don't, you know, like, you need to be really, really, really on top of them, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I still like can learn that, you know, like now I know I'm like, you need to email them like every few days to yeah. like follow up. Some yeah. factories are, you don't need to do that. But, you know, if you're lo- working with local factories, you kind of really need to. Yeah. Um, and I was not, you know, I had not learned that part of the process and of some things fell through the crack. And yeah, I think it was, they, they did have a production person. So I think I assumed, it was a lot of assuming from my part too. It's like, oh, she's going to handle that part. Mm. And she was not handling it. And mm. she didn't understand a lot of the um, technicalities, you know, like to do a PO for sweaters is different to do a PO for wovens. Like mm-hmm. I like to always add the yarn and specific specify like the the stock color and you have to put the sizing and you do that for both. But they didn't even have that concept, so the factory okay. was confused. The production person was confused, and I thought that wasn't my job. So yeah, I think I was also a little bit hands off in that side. Mm-hmm. I was like. I never write, like, I never said that I, this was never on my invoice. This was never on my proposal. Yeah. Um. So it was also like, yeah, yeah. It was also that part of like, I never said that I was an expert in this. This was never part of my invoice or proposal yet. They still were expecting me to do it. Yeah. And it's just like a lot of learning from my side, communication. Sure, where, sure. communication. Where does, yeah. Where does it end? Like, there needs to be an end to the project and I had not learned that yet so did you 
like, did that inspire changes going forward of how you put together your proposals or your contracts or your invoices of being like, there's a hard stop sort of like once we pass like first proto or I don't know, like what, right? What did yeah. that look like? How'd you resolve that? Yeah. Um, I started adding production to my, um, okay. my, my invoices and I saw kind of how this person worked and I was like, if, she, if I think I can do a better job than her, then I can actually handle this, you know, yeah. you know, like in a way where I was like, I didn't even know what charts people were using for production. And I think it was like, even just like seeing their process of like what chart they were using and how I would make it better for sweaters. I just made my own chart for like POs and for yarn orders. I already were, I was already doing the yarn orders part of it, but kind of adding all of that into the templates that I was using and knowing how to kind of calculate the yarn and stuff like that. Um, from one of the other factories they're like some factories like do certain parts of the process and some don't mm -hmm. so so then some fa factories want nothing to do with the material order right so then they but they'll tell you how to do it so they're like hey like for yarn it's like about weight so this sweater weight this much so add 20 percent to the yarn order so then i would do it Mm -hmm. um so it's just yeah it's kind of there's so many details that like ex like explaining how I ended up like learning all of it like feels blurry right now <laughs> totally but the point I mean I think the bigger picture point here is like you you did a couple things really great like you had that project with that client in LA and it like went okay but like you said some things fell through the crack and you learned that because you went to the founder and you said like, I'd love to get some feedback. Yeah. Like where could I do better? And most people and freelancers, but I think most people in general don't proactively like ask for feedback after or even during a project, right? And so you learned that, then it was able to allow you to say, okay, great, now I need to adjust this going forward in my invoicing, I need to add for this. And also it instigated you to like, learn that whole part of the process through various yeah. channels, right? Like through yeah. maybe what you had seen in that, in that, interaction with that client or like what you're getting from factories and stuff. Like, again, you just, you were proactive to get the feedback. Then you implemented a system for you to learn yeah. that going forward. You didn't have to start with that skill. Yeah. absolutely. And it also helped me learn about the big need for my clients. Like what they yeah. really need, even if they don't express it, like some people try to kind of take the invoice and they're like this is too much so let's let me take this part and this part and this part mm -hmm. there's some parts that you just really can't take off so I think that's kind of what I learned from it even mm -hmm. though production is not my favorite part of the process it's it's a huge need for my clients yeah. you know for my yeah. clients right now and yeah. I don't do production for all my clients they don't need it but uh, when they do need it they really need it <laughs> yeah, 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 and um so I think it's like not I'm most of the time included and now I've I've done two things where I haven't recent like um, proposals that I haven't included it, but it's very clear. It's mm -hmm. like develop, you know, development and it, it ends at when the final sample is approved and then, you know, and I, I, yeah, and it's done. And I, I'm just so much more, I, I just understand it so much more now yeah. and know when things are going to just stop. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm like, I'm not afraid of saying, okay, from now on, you know, it's, you know, it's on you and, you know, all of this, like, make sure you have some, sometimes for like export and all of that, make sure you, you know how to handle those things, because that's not yeah. part of my um, expertise. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, it's like, I compare so many things in freelancing to like learning how to sew, like you can read all the books and you can 
watch all the YouTube videos on like how to manage the project and how to do the pricing and how to, you know, what have you. But like at the end of the day, some parts of it, you're just like, okay, this fabric needs a different thread, needs a different tension. Like you just have to start like putting stuff through the machine, right? Yeah. Um, and like learn it firsthand because there's so many different nuances. Like you said, like for your clients who are a very specific type of client, right? They're the small knits. You said, I think a lot of it's done like stateside or local production, what have you. Like they have very different problems and needs than like a more established brand versus like a big corporation, right? So like understanding yeah. the nuances, which you kind of learn by doing, getting in there, getting yeah. your hands wet and then asking for the feedback, right? So you can keep learning. Yeah, yeah. No, it's such a process. I, I mean, I I have loved it and- yeah. Um, I, I love having my own business. I've learned to love it. Um, yeah. I think sometimes I wish that I was still in like a more established like place, but oh, yeah. now, why is that? um, I can't, you know, I can't remember why, but I okay. remember sure. <laughs> I think it's like, it's such a huge learning curve. So yeah. I think you just go through really high, high and really low. Sure. Lows, totally. You know, <laughs> like just like even conversation, like looking like waiting for like a conversation about an invoice and like, oh my gosh, what is my client going to say? And then nothing happens, you know, like, yeah. you know, like yeah. not, there's not a big deal. And like, sure, I'll take that, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's just like all those things. And I think now I'm trying to say it as like, you know, there's just, there's constant learning and growing and that's very exciting. Yeah. And I would rather be there than in a place where I have to wait for someone to give me a promotion or wait for someone mm. to kind of like almost like get a permission from someone to like hey I want to learn this mm. um I feel like having your own business like the sky is the limit like you kind of have control over like if I want more clients I'm gonna hustle you know like maybe yeah. I'll work like at night or like if I don't have time to the day to get more clients yeah. to like make my website more clear there's so many things that you have control of yeah and um and I think that's very exciting to be able to to do that you know we'll get back to the episode in about 20 seconds but real quick if you're scared to freelance in fashion without a steady paycheck I want to show you exactly how to get a full list of clients so you can pay your bills and so you don't get your hopes up and then have to go right back to the fashion job you hate I share it all in my free limited time training, how to freelance in fashion. Even if you're terrified, you don't have all the answers. Get instant access at soheidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it in the show notes. All right, now back to the episode. So can we talk about that a little bit more? Because you have like a lot's happened on your journey to freelancing. So you started like you were still in your job, researching all these brands on the side. Fast forward three years. You now live in ten Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> you have a baby. Oh gosh, she's what two? She's a toddler. She's now. almost two. Yeah. Okay, almost two. Collie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. If we rewind back, like you and I had a chat or an email once, and you, I think this was before you were pregnant, and you were like, "I'm thinking about." I think I had just given birth or something, right? And and you were like, "I'm we're we're gonna get pregnant, and we're figuring this out," and. And you were like, I cannot imagine thinking about getting pregnant and having a baby if I was still like in that corporate full-time environment, like the freedom and the control you had over your life and your working hours and stuff as a freelancer, like felt so much better going into parenthood, motherhood like that. I'd love for you yeah. to talk a little bit about like 
Oh my God. I mean, that's a lot. That's a big journey. <laughs> Three years, right? Like you live in a very yeah. non-fashion hub now and yeah. you had a toddler. Like I, I went through a vortex the past three years. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple like vortexes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a different life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a journey. Um, yeah, I, I still can't imagine like actually being pregnant in that scenario. Uh for my first trimester, like I feel like I slept all the way through like March 2021. And in between I would get up and like do the work that I needed to do. Five minutes before, well, maybe 15 minutes before this call, I put my toddler to for for a nap. You yeah. know, I laid yeah. with her in bed so she could fall asleep. Yeah. It's just such a different life. And I couldn't have imagined it. I think I was wishing for something like this, mm. but I didn't know how to do it. You know, I I always think about like certain thoughts that I had um, before and I'm like, I have that now, you know, like when mm. I graduated from, um, you know, college and stuff and I started working, it took me a, a long time to adjust to like going to the same place every day. <laughs> I like didn't like that part of working. Yeah. And, and uh, just having that kind of the same schedule, you know, when you're in school, like Wednesdays look a certain way, you get excited mm. about Wednesdays or Fridays mm. or like days have different feels. And I love that about it. Mm. Um, and then having that kind of very set routine where you like do the same thing every day um, took me like, I could say like maybe like a year to get used to. Mm, wow. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of the way that I've been. I've always been like I had certain like I have I've had in the past. I always like, you know, on Fridays, I get a dessert from this place or like Friday. <laughs> I don't know. Like I've always had this thing. So fast forward to now. I have that. I mean, you know, I I'm trying to find um it just you just have different rhythms. Like I have a rhythm. I have more of a schedule. I have a baby now. But it's it just such a different life that I just couldn't have even imagined. Even moving out of New York, um, I didn't want to move out of New York, but I did have times in the past where I felt trapped there because yeah, I'm like, you've commented that to me yeah, before. Yeah, I'm moving out of New York this time felt different because it felt a lot more like financial. But um, which a lot of people are moving out of big cities. But yeah, totally. back then I forgot that back then I was like, I'm stuck here. Yeah. You know? Um, because I need a job and I love actually what I do, the concept of what I do, I love, yeah. but would I move out to California? That California is too far from the Caribbean, which is where my family is at. Yeah. You're from Puerto um, Rico. I don't think we've, we've brought that up, but yeah, you're from Puerto Rico. A lot yeah. of your family's still there. Yeah. Yeah. So my family's there. So, I, you know, New York, Puerto Rico, very connected, you yeah. know, super easy to get there. So moving to the West Coast was never an option for me, but that was like another, it's the same thing, <laughs> you're kind of stuck in between two you kind of are going there just yeah it's going to be different than New York but it's kind of not having that option like I guess not having the option to choose a place mm -hmm. because of the type of work that you do yeah. where if you're a nurse you can work anywhere like sure. anywhere or if you're a freelancer yeah. you can yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> I gotta throw that out come on yeah. a nurse that was out of left field but totally I get yeah. there's jobs so, everywhere yeah Fashion is not that I, way. I think that what I'm trying, I was trying to do an analogy of like where my mind was back then, you know, like. Ah, uh, okay. When you were like. I didn't know anything about You still felt stuck in house. Okay. How I was. Yeah. Stuck. But I think now like just, um, just the, the huge amount of learning that, um, that I've done in my, in my freelance career, my business, um, even 
even now I call it a lot more my business than I do call myself a freelancer because yeah, I think it gives me it gives me more power mm-hmm. um seeing yourself as a business mm-hmm. um it, there's a lot less kind of emotion attached to that but it's mm-hmm. more like a businesses grow and businesses do good as well um yeah. but business doesn't just include me but I can hire other freelancers to work with yeah. me yeah. and that that's definitely my vision to have like a mini like knitwear studio. Yeah. Um, and I've already started working with two freelancers from Fast. Um, yeah. And that Kate? has been really awesome. Is it Kate Knight? Well, no, but yes, but she's, uh, okay. we're, I mean, I know you guys have become buds. Yeah. And you know, that's also a part of it is it's kind of having, having friends that are in your field and we share so many resources and, and that's just, it's really good to be in a place where you share ideas and there's always kind of growth. And um, I'm excited to see where even, you know, I'll be in a year, I'll be in two years. Um, So I think that's uh, so exciting, you know, and um, even moving here, we moved to Nashville and I have, we have like an office right now where we can work. So it feels more like everything starts to feel a little bit more official (laughs) in my mind. (laughs) Um, So, you know, this is real. It also like moving here also was like, okay, going back to a full-time job is not an option. You know, I have to really make this work. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a part of that too, but a little pressure is always good. A little pressure. Yeah. But um, I mean, you haven't needed to go back for three years, so it's going to be fine. You're smart enough to keep figuring this out. Keep making yeah. it work. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned earlier before we hit record that um Kali, your two-year-old daughter, is um you got a babysitter right now, some hours so you're working about half capacity, like half time, part-time. Yep. Yep. And then in uh in about a month, um she's going into like a more structured official daycare. So you'll have more time to like build your business out more and create that studio. I am I'm I'm so excited yeah. and I think this month I'm like gearing up to be like okay um what are my what are my packages um I'm changing up from kind of like the invoice structure that I used to do that I used to itemize everything um to package pricing okay um and I think that's gonna help a lot just because it doesn't give the client like the option to be like let me take this one little thing out I don't want to pay a thousand dollars for this (laughs) exactly exactly You order the whole entree. You don't get to like take out the side salad yeah, or like, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Do not take out the cilantro, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, not Chipotle here. We're not building our own burrito. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and like, that's kind of how I've been working in the past. And some people are like, well, this part is already done. Mm, so can get, I like, like really reduce nitpicky. it? Like, yeah. you think it's done but it's not, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, and I've also had situations where like, well, you know, maybe like this and that. And I was like, sure, I'll do that. And then it's not taking the same amount of effort and Mm, time. So it becomes a wash. Yeah. I'm not going to just tell them like, this is a hundred, this is 500 anymore. And it's more like a package pricing Uh, because I've been spending a lot of time on proposals mm-hmm. um and that's been taking a chunk of my time like if mm-hmm. I had three three uh, potential clients um that I'm working with right now 
And it took me like an hour to do each proposal because I was going in depth and I was explaining everything. It was so customized and I just cannot do that. You know, I say that I don't have time to like promote my business on Instagram or social media, but I'm spending all this time and doing this, you know, so so anyway, I just changed it just literally last week. Um, yeah. And I, it was it was a lot easier to just like, okay, this is this, is it, you know. Um, That's exciting then, yeah, to go to a yeah. packet. I mean, I think it's definitely something more advanced. Like I, it'd be really hard to start there, right? You just don't understand yeah. all the nuances. Yeah. But it's very exciting because I know a lot of our students have package type of systems and it's great. Um, it's definitely something you can grow into. So that's exciting. Congratulations. That's a big move to yeah. make. And, and, and I want to go into like a little bit of detail. We have a little bit of time, but it's like totally. what I'm doing. It's also um, tracking my time, which I couldn't never figure out before. I'm oh. using Toggle yeah. and I use, and I have it by, by the brand, by the project and season. Okay. And that has helped me to kind of create a bit of an average of how long things are taking me and okay. also timing myself. I need to work faster because yeah. I already have my skill set and I just need to work faster, get less distracted and be a lot more efficient with my time. And so, yeah, package pricing, that's what I'm doing. And I think I want to in the fall is around the time where a lot of people find me or like it's when I start the next fall season or start yeah. thinking about the next fall season. Yeah. And that's the biggest season for for me. Yeah. So I think from between now and I think in August, I'll be setting myself up in a really big way to mm-hmm. get some new clients and really, and I, I'll have like almost 50% more capacity to work. Yeah. So, with Colleen um, daycare. Yeah. With Colleen daycare. And obviously she's going to get sick. So I'm going to have to have some flexibility, but um, <laughs> oh, you're already anticipating. Oh yeah. The, the it, hap- it happens. Oh, I know yeah, it, it happens. happens. It happens. So, I know. Um, so it's, you know, it's great that I have that flexibility to do that. And so I'm really excited for, for, to see even myself in six months, uh, where am I going to be in six months? This has totally. been the, the yeah. biggest year so far financially for me. Amazing. Uh, I Congratulations. Hit, yeah. I'm so excited. I hit 5k months because I also divided my invoices. It's project-based but it's divided into months yeah. um, just because it's so much easier for me to like invoice every yeah. month yeah. Um, instead of like, well, I finished the design portion, I'll invoice you for that. And then yeah. I'm going to this portion. Okay. Um, okay. And with like factories having different timeframes, yeah. I don't know when they're going to ship the, the proto sample. So I don't want to, I don't want to charge for that. Yeah. You know, I don't have control over that. So yeah. I need to set myself up for success for me. And totally. myself. So, <laughs> so even though if the factory takes three months instead of two a month, like I have those monthly payments set up. Yeah. So that's how I've been able to see, okay, hey, like I'm growing this month and that keeps yeah. me motivated. That's amazing. Um, that's working half time. Yes. You're going to, you're going to, when you have the, like the physical capacity, because you're not, you know, being a mom yeah. 20 hours a week during those working hours, you'll hit six figures next year. I hope so. That's, yes, that's you will, goal. girl. You totally will. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> like once you are, I mean, being a mom is a lot like being, yes. you know, without full-time care. And once you get like that physical time and that mental time back, minus a few sick days, it's going to be fine. Oh yeah. I, um, 
yeah I'm so happy like yeah. you know even the mental state that I'm in this year yeah. versus last year you know I, I think it was it was it was really hard I mean have, being a mom is hard and the first yeah. year I want everyone that like has been freelancing because I've seen some people in the chat in the group where like how do you do this as a mom you know and the first year was really really hard, hard. like I'm yeah. not the kind of person and also people can but I wasn't the kind of person that was able to work like in between nap time and like yeah. it, because my kid never slept well so. <laughs> and but she's sleeping, sleeping well now because you like just put her she's down and, okay we're yeah, good we got exactly. over that hump so yeah exactly like you know she's getting older she's you know it's easier um yeah, but it's a lot easier yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's that I was exhausted. So your brain is not in the place. Like my brain was mush for like the first six months. And, yeah. um, and that becomes very stressful, you know? Yeah. So, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to be at, at that full capacity that I'm, that I'm going into next month. Yeah. I didn't know that I was going to be able to get there last year. Yeah. If you would have talked yeah. to me like a year ago, I was like, I don't know. I'm going to be part-time until my kid is 18 years old. That's yeah. what I thought. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you like you're like we're you're just like in such a moment you can't see yeah. anything past that you just can't I couldn't like Tell I my kids couldn't. 18 yeah like at the first time mom is like I mean this is the moment and this is gonna be forever you know <laughs> oh my god when did you guys move to Nashville because it's uh, so we're recording right now it's July 2023 we moved here the last week of December last year okay so, so like six seven months, months. Yeah, okay, seven months. Months, okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah. So you were getting out of the first year of motherhood fog, you moved, now you actually have like a proper office and like a space to have your knit books and yarn books and stuff. Yeah, and, like, that's that has been also life-changing. Great. Just like yeah. being, like, being able to like lock myself in here, that yeah. was never an option. You know, we had a one-bedroom apartment in New York and my husband also works, my husband also works in the home. So I was like, his desk on one side of the living room and my desk like on another side of the living room and New York apartments are not big so yeah like how were you even doing call like you couldn't do calls at the same time probably oh, right we couldn't you and if Scotty was like napping then she would be in the bedroom the only one bedroom he was a call <laughs> and I was like okay cool I'll take the call from the uh, bathroom the bathroom because, <laughs> <you> <laughs> I'll know, just go in this but, corner where all you can see is like a little white wall exactly exactly <laughs> but really so, I'm sitting on the toilet yes 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 so I hopefully you can't hear the echo so yeah <laughs> yeah oh my god that's amazing so it was rough but yeah um, I'm I'm grateful where we're at right now and um yeah. it, it does it has given me a lot more like mental stability <laughs> yeah. and getting excited for like what's next and stuff because I I mean to be honest like I could I wasn't there last year yeah um I was just kind of barely surviving yeah. So. I mean, it's a lot like having a kid, the pandemic, like yes. all, that alone is like, whew, yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And also another thing that I was um, struggling a lot with was the, the price of childcare and mm. still it, it, the price of childcare is a lot in all of the US, but in New York specifically, it was this kind of weird rabbit hole where I was, where it's like, if I want to work, I need childcare, but I can't afford childcare right now because mm -hmm. I'm not working a lot mm -hmm. and I don't know how much I'm going to make next month. Mm -hmm. And it was this like constant, um, uh, just 
oh my God, it was really stressful. And um, committing, finding a childcare that was able to do part-time was really hard to do. Mm. Um, and uh, just because I, we couldn't afford like a full-time childcare situation and then having family help you, but then we're all in the same environment. So we're all in like the little one bedroom apartment trying to work, trying to have family help. Oh, with, with the baby. like someone watching the baby there. Oh, that's a yes. lot. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> you're like, I'm going to go to the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, or like you need to take a walk right now, you know, and <laughs> get in the stroller, pack up the Cheerios yes, and go. Please yeah. leave. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And like uh, dealing with like communication with family for those, ex- like, you know, leveling those expectations when you have someone from your family taking care of your child too because it's like you know sometimes you can't force like you know your family member to like on a schedule the one that you the kind of schedule that you want for your kid yeah you you have to be kind of you know and communicating all that learning that communication and it it was last year was a hot mess a challenge. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. mentioned that before we hit record that like, you're really excited. Like you got the babysitter now, but like getting into like a more structured daycare where like, these are the hours, this is what yes. I'm paying for yes. this. I'm committed is actually can feel yes. a lot better than like the reliance on family. Like, yes, while family is like family and you're not paying, you yes. can't set that same precedent of like, I need you here at 1230 and I need yes. you to then be out by 1245 yes. or whatever. Yes. Right. Yeah. You yes. don't, you don't get that same control. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm excited. I am, you know, uh, up, you know, up leveling my capacity and yeah. learning a lot. And, you know, um, I'm just excited to have more of that time to even connect with other freelancers. Yeah, to like, totally. You know, um, I, uh, one quick thing, like I was just listening to the call that you had um, this month. Okay. The coaching call. Yeah. You just said like the kind of other design agencies and how to like pitch to them and yeah, like yeah, yeah, connect yeah. with them. That blew my mind. Oh, that literally really? blew my mind. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> like I've since I've listened to podcasts about fashion, some of these agencies have like you know like they're kind of a lot of like a uh, startup um accelerator stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I've been listening to these people and I'm like, oh, you know, but they even do knitwear. So, you know, why would I even talk to them? But that's like, that's why I need to talk to them because yeah. their clients may want knitwear and they don't it's have It's such a those. specialty. Exactly. So yeah. I'm like, why didn't I do this three years ago? But you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and dear listener, we'll link to that episode in the show notes. It hasn't, well, by the time you hear this, it will have published. It should be don't quote me on this, but it should be episode 177 by the time it goes live, if nothing gets shifted in the schedule of this strategy of working with agencies that Mari's talking about. Yes, exactly. So you can go listen to episode 177 and we'll link it in the notes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was blown when, when she told me, she goes, freelancers never reach out to me. I was like, I know. What? What? I'm like, oh, so you want people to do Oh, oh, okay. She's trying to find people who are like really specialized yeah. in their skill, which also, dear listener, specialized in your skill, key. Like that's what you said. You said something earlier. Yeah. I meant to call it out and I didn't, but like being niche, that's how people are finding you because you are so crazy yeah. niche. If you're just like a yeah. general fashion designer, like it's impossible for people to find you. But when you get really hyper-specific yeah. in your services and your area and your category and all that stuff. That's where the magic Also, happens. like, I want people to also know that it's actually very hard to find people. It's just hard to find people, you know, like good people, uh, you know. Um, like good and, freelancers. 
good freelancers and yeah. just like what you're looking for it's very hard to find and I think people don't know that <laughs> no like, they every, think that, all, like, all my clients say that say it to me yeah like, it's so hard to find like yeah. They're like, can you please like do this sweatshirt for me? I was like, I don't do sweatshirts. Like, <laughs> but it's just it's just so much easier, you know. Like, I'm gonna have to find someone, you know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's hard to find good people. It totally is. I mean, that I can sympathize with that both from hiring freelance fashion designers as well as hiring freelancers in general. It's hard, and yeah. I think people really discount that. They're like, oh, that negative. Um, what do you call it? That evidence, evidence. <laughs> comes in. You're like. They don't need me. They yeah. have people in house. They know how to do everything. I don't know how to do anything, right? That voice. Yeah. And then exactly. boom, you're not doing it because that voice is so loud. Exactly. That's the root exactly. of all of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mari, this has been, I mean, I'm glad we did this call now. Cause I have, I thought about you last year when we were recording, I was like, we gotta get Mari. And I think we chatted and you're like, I think I'm moving to Tennessee or Nashville. And I was like, okay, we'll connect yeah. later. And, but it feels like this is a really great time for the call, um, to catch up and hear all the amazing stuff you're up to. I'm so excited to get updated on the next six to 12 months from you as well. You better keep me in the loop. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so where can everybody find you to learn more about what you do or maybe hire you if they have some need? Yes, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm uh, yeah on Instagram. I'm mmknitwear.studio. And that's my website as well. mmknitwear.studio. And then it should be easy to find me there, like DM or, you know, my email is in my website if you need to reach out as well and on my Instagram. So yeah. All right. We'll link to all that in the show notes. Um, I would love to end with the question I ask everybody at the end. I think you know what it is. Um, yes. What is one thing people never ask you about being a freelancer that you wish they would? Um, I love this question. I've always thought about what would I would answer um but about being a freelancer I think it's just like every, the same with fashion like everything that takes into it like yeah. the take like all the different things that I do during the day yeah. to either get set up um as a business um or like my actual job <laughs> everything <laughs> that it takes into I think um if you are talking to someone at a party and they have no idea I think they don't even know what to ask because yeah they have no idea so I think it's more like what is your I guess day-to-day -day look like or what what does it take to even make one of the products that you're making like yeah. what does it take to make a sweater yeah. um and that in itself is just such a huge process so I didn't know like the weight thing I've never done knits or yeah. like sweater knits right so like I didn't know the weight thing with the yarn and like the POs and stuff that was really I mean god I could have we could have taken this conversation in a whole different direction and nerded out on that but I that wasn't really the point of our chat but um yeah, yeah it's fascinating right when you hear all these little nuances you're like oh wait but that makes a lot of sense right yeah sweaters are like they're measured differently they're priced differently the material is bought in a different way. So yeah. all of it, all about it is like very different. I love it. Well, thank you yeah. so much for coming on and sharing your story and experience with everyone. And congratulations on your amazing success. I'm going to keep, <laughs> thank you. keep going. I, I just know it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Fashion Designers Get Paid podcast. If this episode inspired you in any way to get out of the mass-produced rat race and get your fashion career out of the hands of toxic corporate bosses, 
Just like one of my students did, Alexandra, who makes more money in one day of freelancing than she did in two weeks at her old industry job. Yes, true story. I'd love to help you take control of your own destiny as a freelance fashion designer or TD, PD, pattern maker, etc. Get instant access to my free limited time training at soheidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it up in the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. We release new episodes every Monday to help inspire you for or help you get through the week ahead. You got this. Me and my team are rooting for you.